0: Welcome to NoClip, I'm Chad Rowan. I'm JJRT-Mess. And I'm
1: Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Earthbound, which is a game that was released in 1994 1995 in the US on Super Nintendo, and it was developed by Ape, Inc., and HAL Laboratories, and published by Nintendo. Uh, now, Earthbound's a, a JRPG, and it's one that, and I'm pretty sure with you as well, Andy, mm-hmm. uh, we've both started previously. And then just never finished.
0: Wait, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, both of us had started the game and not finished it um, at previous points in our lives and just finished it for the podcast this past couple of weeks. Uh, JJ. Yeah? You have never played Earthbound. Yeah. Didn't really know a whole lot about
0: the game. And I can see why you quit early, and <laughs> it's really unfortunate considering everything you were working yeah. up to, because sort of... I got pretty. I get blade. pretty
1: far into the game, so I, I did like. I had some knowledge of the experience.
0: How many party
2: members? I'm I curious had, when your breaking point was. I had
1: gotten to poo. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't a breaking point. I just put
2: it down and then it didn't Man, come back. To I it. only quit because I lost my save file and yeah. I was like three fourths of the way through the game. <laughs> oh. So, so uh, like a weakening point
0: then. You're now, right, there is a distinction between those two it, things. There, it wasn't
1: anything. It wasn't me, like, falling out. This happens to me with games all the time. I'll, like, start a game, and then I won't play it for a couple of days or whatever, and then I just won't ever pick it back up accidentally. Yeah, Dying Light was a game I tried to play. Got, like, six hours in, stopped playing, uninstalled it. could <laughs> <laughs> to think of it. I did that with Alan Wake, yeah. also. Um, so, <laughs> knowing that you didn't... uh you hadn't played this yeah. game before. Uh, I want to like, open the floor for you to begin the conversation, because I feel like you probably have some questions like, uh, what the hell did I just play? <laughs> and the like.
0: Chad, is. I felt very old the whole time. That I was playing Earthbound. It's
1: a game that evokes the feeling of being a child. So it makes sense (laughs) for you to feel old while playing it. But it also
0: feels old. The game felt to me like I was playing through a video game form of an old person giving me like a fairy tale. Until the end, of course. But, (laughs) But in the early parts, I got a very strong, like, "Oh, daddy's reading me a story vibe. But the story was plastered over fucking old mechanics from a bygone era that See, I'm an impatient man about now. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, I This is
1: going to be the weirdest podcast ever. Uh, and not just <laughs> because of how weird this game is. Um, so, as you guys know, I hate JRPGs. Oh, yeah. I never play them. Uh, That's why I was stunned that you even tried before. Yeah. Well, I tried because of the... It was before I had, like, developed, like, hard lines as to what I was, like, cool with. <laughs> and when I had, like, more time in my life that I could just play a game for 20 hours and for kicks. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually... I don't mind the mechanics of this game that much. They're things that are obviously really uh, slow and could do with a little bit of retooling. Yeah. But the whole, like... Like base mechanical systems of this game were lifted from like Dragon Quest and games like that. So, I mean, it's, it's not. This bad. is the this is the argument that we made with Pokemon, where it was like they just took something like the idea that they were pushing was the was the selling point, not the base mechanics. Those are just there to propel the game forward as a game. And
2: I'm not like a super like. uh knowledgeable, like, JRPG historian or anything. (laughs) But, like, I think you got to give them credit because they added things like an auto-fight button. If enemies were, like, way weaker than you, you just beat them automatically and got the experience. And they had the countdown, like, health system. So they... They tried to mix things up and they tried to make things a little more convenient. Yeah, I think
1: in those instances specifically, I think they succeeded with like flying colors. Like, I'm amazed that Auto Fight and Auto Win are not like
0: just basic staples of the genre in 2017. Well, they're not staples of the genre because oftentimes in JRPG systems, it it depends obviously on a game to game basis and what their goals are, but you're trying, their goal isn't. To get the fights out of the way, their goal was to try and make the fights interesting. Right. But they were, but Earthbound was still working at a time where we just weren't as developed enough in that, <laughs> so that the alternative solution of just giving us the option of just fucking ignoring this, yeah, was fights were kind
1: of. It was impossible to make fights like truly interesting. <laughs> and we talked about Chrono Trigger and how the combat system, and that was also good. Right, right. In comparison to like whatever the baseline RPG like
0: Final Fantasy 1. Right. (laughs) Which I have beaten. I have beaten one... I I couldn't touch two. I've gotten through three and I've dabbled in others and obviously I'll play all the 3D ones. But like the the best comparison point is totally Chrono Trigger because they came out in the same year in the US. Right. So they're absolutely sort of competitors in that regard. But on... The biggest thing that hit me mechanically with the game that I didn't like in comparison of its peers is I didn't like how long it took you for the game to give you another party member, because I don't really think that JRPG mechanics work well when you're just one guy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that.
2: Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think the hardest part in the game for me... Is going to the happy, happyism cult town, and if like, you go through the area with the broken bridge and yeah. all the UFOs, that's so hard to get through with Just Ness. Mm. It's so annoying. That
1: area is just. Uh, for, like, largely because of the single party member limit, and also because of just. Exploding. The, trees. Yeah, the Guardian Oaks. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> that area just is one of the hardest in the game, and it's so front-loaded because it, you just didn't have the progression needed to make things easier. There wasn't strategy really to do; it was either use no. like a a heal, a, a hit, or like a stronger psy attack, and that's all you had. Yeah, there wasn't
0: really like a, a choice in combat until you're able to get like more than one action per turn that you can manipulate. Yeah. Do you even? When do you get psy
2: I don't remember. do I. It's pretty I'm pretty, pretty it's early. before that. Yeah.
0: Uh, but you have yeah. it at that point frankly the the progression of this entire game for pretty obvious reason just sort of like molds together into just this weird fucking pot that's just making all sorts of like gurgling it's like when you like put like food coloring into something that you're stirring and but some like all the different memories that I have of this game are like different kinds of food coloring and then you put them (laughs) together and they all just sort of morph over time in in my head into like
1: a swirling red
2: like fetish shape yeah kind of like that tear uh <laughs> yeah, I would have to say yeah. the the pacing of this game at the beginning is really slow. It's yeah, it's
1: abysmal. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> basically, like the game feels like it starts after you get Paula. I know. Mm, I don't know. See, or like when you like when you show up at the Happy Happyism Village, that feels like where the game like really. Yeah. becomes. Well,
1: the, yeah, the village in, in, in Happy Town, or Happy Happy Town, whichever one, whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> the Blue Town. <laughs> yeah. In that area, is, like, that is one of my favorite areas in the game, but mm-hmm. it's not because I'm, like, pressing A on cultists. <laughs> right. It's because it is such a, like, bizarre thing to run across.
0: Everything that's good about this game is about its tone
2: progression. And we know yeah. how
1: much Noclip likes a tone piece. <laughs> this
2: this game, yeah, is definitely about the experience and about, like, the different things that happen within the game. And it almost feels like this is, like, an experimental indie game made, like, 20 years before its time. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I've heard, like, a lot of things, uh, a, lot of, a lot of terms, a lot of isms thrown out about, <laughs> uh, about Earthbound in, like, my trying to figure out what people generally think of this game. Because yeah. a lot of the time when you hear people talk about Earthbound, it's there are a lot of things like people refer to it as like a cult hit and like it's like a shit game. And <laughs> the, like, the game Ness is from. It's either people who are very much into the game or people who are like tertiarily aware of it.
0: Right. In my experience, the vast majority of people know about Earthbound but have never touched it ever.
1: Yeah. And it it really is. It's I've I've heard people throw like say that this game is like a postmodern game because it's a game that made a video game, but it clearly acknowledged what it was making and tried to not do the same thing. I don't necessarily know that I would give it that high of a. Like, I wouldn't be like this is this is postmodernism in a video game. It's definitely like deconstructivist.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely that's about as far as I'd go. Yeah, you're going from. The the normal starting point in RPGs of its time all had you starting as like a guy with a sword killing like evil little goblin creatures, but then now in this time you're like you're trying to like hit a happy tree with a baseball bat, <laughs> and there's like crazy synth music and the weird background. Yeah. creatures. I love the
1: the like
0: battle screens by the way.
1: Yeah. they're so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's like the game does. We'll give you a taste of the mechanics in our conversation, mm-hmm. but way later, when we'll get into it, like, seriously, I'm going to divert here. But this game is, it is aggressively weird, and mm-hmm. it whenever it takes, like, these fitful stabs at normalcy, <laughs> it almost seems like it's doing it as a joke. <laughs> like, it is very much like, it doesn't want you to approach it like it is something that is, like, benign. It it wants to seem weird, and it's got this purpose behind it, in a way that it's, like, Lynchian, but this game doesn't, like, ape Twin Peaks like something, like, Deadly Premonition does. I think
2: it's, like, a progression. It starts out more kind of normal and just, like, a little bit charming and how, like, it's silly. Yeah, yeah, you're, like... like and taming then, dogs. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. it like it, it ramps up and it gets weirder and a little weirder and you like can... kind of surreal. <laughs> and then like it starts to like throw in like these darker, depressing themes underneath. <laughs> and it it's yeah, it, that's what really works about it is like the how it builds up that progression of the tone. Yeah, you've just got to make sh- you've got to find a way to have the patience
0: to reach that point where you can sort of <laughs> understand it. It was even harder for me because. I don't, and I'm not taking this as an actual criticism against the game. It took me so long to find the game funny. I don't know why. It's so weird, and it clearly has like a style on its own that it's just sort of flubbing around and forcing all up into your spots. But <laughs>
1: there some, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, there are a couple of things, because the game has its its own sort of juvenile sense of humor. Yeah. But like, it's where the game is, is like, funny and where the game are, is weird are kind of, it overlaps, and that's what they are kind of going for with the tone. And I feel like even like in the just in Annette, and just talking to your mom, and like <laughs> from like literally the first point, you can tell that like people they're not they are written not as to seem as though something is is off. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. not correct. Like the first thing you do is your mom tells you to, like, like... She's like, oh, you're gonna go check out that meteor? Like, at least put clothes on first. <laughs> it's like, you think it should be like, don't go look at the
0: meteor. <laughs> go back to bed. <laughs> it's dangerous. Yeah, all of the adults seem, like, intuitively aware that, like, you're going on, like, a quest to save the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, tons of people seem to be aware of, like, Gigas as an entity even though you as the player never are from yeah. start to finish. Th-
1: this is probably something that doesn't need to be said, because over the past like week or so that I've been like reading and, and watching like commentaries on uh, Earthbound, lots of people always... Like, this seems like the common thing. We have not played Mother 1 or 3. Yeah. Uh, like at, because apparently nobody has because <laughs> they've never been released in the West so like it would be well Mother One is available on the yeah. shop now
2: I didn't know that yeah uh,
1: it's it was I think April of last year
2: yes yeah, so, like someone like found the U S translation that already existed mm-hmm. and like actually like published it and put it out
1: yeah uh, so uh, yeah Giga's has like a story in Mother One. So, it would make some amount of sense that people in Earthbound know about him, but I feel like the experience was better where he was just, like, an entity that everyone knew about, but you didn't.
0: Yes.
2: Because yeah, you can assume that like Ness
1: a... did as well,
2: and that you just didn't. And Which is... Or it might be trying to reinforce that feeling like you're a child, and, like, adults treat you like a child, and they don't tell you things.
0: Right. But the adults, Maybe. by and large, are also pretty incompetent in the game. Yeah. Which is... You know, there's some
2: bleed over between whether that's just them being weird or them being terrible. I don't know. It's <laughs> <That's> kind <laughs> of like a cartoon thing, though. Like in South Park or The Simpsons, the adults are always stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It, as an example
0: of the sort of hard time I had with the tone before it really started to ramp up to interesting places. <laughs> like, the first time you see... Those guys, the The guys, Runaway Five. Yeah, on the shirt that you're wearing. Yeah. Uh, The first time they play, I had I like just vividly remember sitting there. This was like the second session that I'd ever had playing the game sitting down. I was just like, What am I doing with my life? This is like a minute long. What am I? Why am I watching terrible cartoon people do like a midi jazz show that I can't interact with at all? None of this means anything. I just walked into this building. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you get imagine-
2: Good. I was just going to say, I feel like this game, especially in the early parts, kind of plays like a Saturday morning cartoon. And I think probably because of the fact you played it for the cast, probably negatively affected your experience. Because, like, I think this game's more enjoyable if you can, like, take the time to, like, actually talk to all the people and just, like, sit back and then, like, take in its atmosphere. Right. Yeah, letting it, tone. it
0: letting it sort of just exist and
2: sort of, like, boil on the stove for a while yeah. would have been beneficial. Like, I think that, like, when you get to that part, you're supposed to, like, with the Runaway 5, you're supposed to be, like, so into what's going on that you're just like, yeah. <laughs> like, while you watch it, you're just like, watch the Runaway 5.
1: <laughs> there, there are several moments in this game where it embraces this, like, sort of patience that it expects the player to have. Yeah. And it does it in a way that so Runaway 5 show the second Runaway 5 show mm-hmm. in fact you could just watch them like a hundred times if you wanted to <laughs> yeah if you keep going in and
2: talking to them yeah they'll just keep, keep, playing keep playing when you come out
1: uh, and like I think the biggest one and the, the most obvious one is waiting to for the, the password for Belch's base Yeah, uh. you have to stand behind the waterfall for three minutes I probably come off as the kind of person who would be really irritated by that. <laughs> you do. But the um, just the sheer amount of time, the fact that it's literally three entire minutes, <laughs> and the fact that you know, as like the player of this game, especially at that point, that the game has sort of a winking, like, uh, wouldn't it be funny if we actually made you sit here for three minutes, that I actually, like, I thought that was genius. Like, I thought that was really funny. I just put the controller down, obviously, and just walked away. Yeah, yes. Because I knew, but that is just really, that is, that is inherently humorous to me.
2: Yeah, I agree it is funny, but that kind of stuff really fucks with me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. If there's anything where you have to like leave the control, I guess to let the game sit for a couple minutes, I'm always like super paranoid. Did I did I like bump a button after like I hit A the last time and I'm gonna have to like start it over? The three minutes so turns over into now, like an so hour. Yeah. Like I always do that. And like it really bothers me.
0: You could tell the Saturday morning cartoon comparison is apt because lots of moment like moments like this three minute gap sort of operates under the assumption that the audience has, like,
2: almost no respect for their time in any way. Yeah, it feels like it's aimed at, like, younger people in that respect. Like, people who can, like, take the time to really enjoy the game. Yeah,
0: like, two hours a day, every day for the foreseeable future. You can have Earthbound, and you can... To sort of immerse yourself in it, this felt like as much as this comparison is often overused. This felt like a weed game for me. It's like either I was supposed to be like (laughs) twelve or have weed, and that was the only options. Hmm. It would have forced me to like stop like thinking so much about this actively because the the more, which is the complete opposite of what I normally do for cast games. I'm normally sitting around fucking taking notes and like pausing all the time and being really cerebral. I approach it in the same, which is part of the reason that. I just keep approaching games through this this lens. Because the mechanics weren't really engaging, but the tone was, I had to keep going, just sitting there and sort of letting myself sink into my chair and being like, yeah, Earthbound," And like letting time <laughs> sort of dilate past me in order to enjoy what was going on. Yeah, that's...
1: Uh, the thing that I found took me the longest in this game were the things that I didn't expect to. Because when it comes to... Because the game has like discrete dungeons, basically. It's set up in a way that is pretty familiar to anybody who's played a jrpg because you have towns dungeons and they basically just separate each other and yeah. the occasional like route path uh and it was always things like where i just had this like crazy wild hair at my ass and was like i gotta do this with this item and see if anything comes of it and would just go around and like be experimenting with stuff and be like, it's been an hour. Like, what happened here?
2: Yeah, I, that was my biggest problem with it, but I was thinking, I was kind of blaming that on the fact that I'd played the game before. Because like, I was trying to, like, really wanted to get back to where I had stopped previously. <laughs> so I kept, like, getting ahead of myself and thinking, like, oh, I gotta go do this thing. And then, like, that was actually, like, three steps down the line, and I'm, like, running around trying to do something I can't do yet. Right. So, like, I ended up making it take even longer for myself. But there there are parts where, like... You just have to go around and talk to everybody or go to the hint guy Mm -hmm. to find out, like, what you're supposed to do. Which which guy is the hint guy? There's a guy... In every town. Pretty much in every town and sometimes in other places, or it's convenient, Mm -hmm. that has a sign that says hint on it. You can go talk to him. he's like the fortune teller in Zelda. And he'll be like, why don't you go check out this thing? Yeah. And he'll, like, push you in the right direction. Okay. Yeah. I use the hint guy... Uh uh probably every time that I started the game after like not playing it for a day or whatever. Yeah, I wanted to get through the game in a timely fashion, so whenever like I didn't know what to do I just went to the hint guy. Right. It's curious because you can tell from the way
0: that they're sort of joking about it and, like, writing Hint on the sign and everything that they are not expecting him to be the player's first choice. They're expecting him to be, like, the Sheikah Stones in modern Zelda games, like, yeah. the thing that you do when you're out of ideas.
1: He's a, he's also a member of the Hint Bureau <laughs> who has, like, a, a, a sign, and they charge you for the hint. Yeah,
2: so. you had to pay for it, and he's usually, like, out of your way. Like, it's usually, like, tucked off in the corner of a town. That's where right. like his house In Forsythe,
1: he's, like, he looks like a home person. Yeah, he's just yeah. like he's in, in a, a park. park. Yeah, you holding the hint sign <laughs> behind a building, yeah, and you have to go pretty far away from like anything useful to find. Well, he's That's right
2: behind the hotel. Uh, right, he's so behind he's... the hotel. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, so you have to. He's off screen here yeah. at the front of the hotel. It's
2: a place that you wouldn't really think
0: to go to. Right. right. But what I'm meaning is that the because they're like lampooning this like hint guide concept, it sort of shows that their assumption is that you're just going to talk to everyone, and, like, that's going to be your default interaction with the game. Yeah. Which they kind of have to because the interactions in this game just degrade so fast into (laughs) random nonsense. Like, I couldn't even begin to tell you, like, the narrative through line of all the stuff that I had to do to get places... Like it, none of it's interrelated at all. It's all just like okay. tracks and madness. And <laughs> it, t-
1: it took me a little while to like fully grasp what you were saying because I feel like the the general through line of this game is pretty clear and straightforward. They're just there are tasks that you have to perform that are entirely disconnected. Yeah, not I mean. a, not only from There's the plot line, but also from like logic. Yeah, yes. and on top of reality, that, like, that's what I mean. Like, yeah.
2: Anything could just like send you down a rabbit hole, yeah. distractions. <laughs> so it's like easy to forget what you were doing. Yeah, like
1: t- in order to progress through Forside, you have to. Oh,
2: that's like one of the worst parts. <laughs> you it's have like, to figure out how to progress through Forside. Yeah, you have
1: to go back to a, a dungeon, complete it, come back, go to a whole other plane of existence. <laughs> like go give a bunch of shit to a bunch of monkeys and then give something that produces trout-flavored yogurt to yeah, a maid I- to allow you to get to the top floor of a building like <laughs> the the con- you can't connect those dots it doesn't make a, like a logical linear yes. sense and that
2: reminds me like a lot a time to- a lot of the time this game does something that like older games used to do whereas like you're, tr- you're running around to the area that you're in talking to everybody, trying to figure out how to progress, mm-hmm. and then the way to progress is just to do that for a while, give up, and leave. And find out <laughs> leaving was the thing you needed to do to trigger the next thing. Right.
1: I I mean, that's, that. It's kind of a way <laughs> to get you to
2: uh, like, I don't know, interact
1: with all the people. Because that's where the, the focus of the game design right. was I just, put.
0: I don't like that kind of roadblocking. I, I also don't like forced interaction, when a lot of the characters not, and this was more fun earlier on, if I remember correctly, aren't really characters, but are only winks at the camera. Like, there's that dog in the very first pharmacy that's, like,
2: possessed by the game designers that tells you stuff. Yeah. like, and like your own dog is also really funny. You talk to him, he just, like... I can't remember what he says, yeah. but I, every time I talk to him, I always thought it was funny.
0: Right. Like, I'd, I'd prefer the game to be its weird self and having me like interact with and meet characters that are just sort of inexplicably strange people. But every now and again I kept getting discouraged because I would talk to people and they would just be like like a joke instead of a person or a you know, a message from the game designer instead of right. a person. They're very
1: I feel like there are there few instances of the game breaking the fourth wall. Like I don't think that it's a thing that this game should be known for the way that it is uh, because it's only a couple of times and at one, it, like it's honestly not that much worse than what a Pokemon game does because well, like you could still find like the developers in a hotel room in Pokemon are
2: they referring to the ending
1: though uh, i've I've heard people just say that like oh like earthbounds like a wacky game that, that breaks the fourth oh, wall okay, all the, time. Like, yeah. the ending. Is a huge a pretty wall break. direct fourth wall break? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's something we'll discuss uh, in its own segment because the the ending is kind of its own segment. It's really huge <laughs> yes. in terms of your interpretation of this game. Um, I don't know. This is like the thing that I, I I'm just like kind of surprised that it turns out that I enjoyed this game, I think, just generally more than both of you did.
2: Well, I really like it. I'm just fairly critical of it. Mm. I feel like if this game would have trimmed some of the fat and gotten to the point faster, it would be a lot better.
1: Yep. But that's the thing that
2: these games... This is a for-its-time Oh, yeah. Of, uh, For its time, I think... If I would have played this as a kid, I would be one of those people that fucking loved this game. Right? Also
0: completely agree, but I can only I only agree with it not because I thought it would have been better by comparison. Uh, because, again, it's it can be compared directly to Chrono Trigger, and I love that game even today. Mm-hmm. But it would have been better if I was a kid... Just because I wouldn't have cared about it, just fucking around with me as much, I would have had more time to waste. So I wouldn't have minded that it was so slow in its progression.
1: Yeah, I agree that like a more streamlined version of this game is definitely something that is that would be desired if in a game that came out today. Yeah. Uh, in a game that came out in 1995, I think that this is. Because games that came out in 1995 that weren't JRPGs were just, like,
0: backbreakingly difficult in order to get you to play it for 30 hours. Oh, yeah, and this time they could just reasonably assume that everyone that was going to play this game was going to be a 12-year-old with infinite time, so there was no reason for it to compress itself.
1: Right. And though this game, I have to imagine that this game, if a 12-year-old spent the amount of time necessary to, to complete this game... They would be, like, pretty fucked up by it. Because, like, mad. Even in, like, starting in the first... This is why I was so, like, kind of shocked that you weren't, uh, like, fully on board with the humor in the game at the start. Because at the start, one of the first notes that I took for this game was, everyone in this game talks so much shit, and it's just wonderful. Like, you get every person that you talk to, barring, like, a few people... Insult you immediately, (laughs) like if you probably wet the bed, you fucking little baby kid. Yeah, all the cops are like (laughs) (laughs) douchebags. Cops are awful. (laughs) If you don't buy something from the shop, they insult you and tell you to get out. It's like uh, the game, like immediately starts. It doesn't want you to feel like comfortable and welcome in the world (laughs) you're in. It makes you. It wants you to feel like you're. I don't know. Trying to accomplish something and are being like challenged at every, like uh, with every action you take.
0: I don't really agree with that insofar as you're interacting with adults. I think the way that they presented itself aesthetically, especially with some of the early music, really the game wears its heart on its sleeve there. And I was supposed to be like da 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 da. It's like really happy and colorful and bippity boppity boo or whatever. Right.
2: It was just very nice. Yeah, I think it. <laughs> I think it starts out at the very beginning, like, when you go to the Meteor, fairly representative of the game as a whole, Mm -hmm. and then after that, it, like, dials it back for, like, when you you go through on it, and it's, like, way more lighthearted and casual and not as in its element. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish that the, like, Meteor-style lore was as weird
0: as most of the time that you spend with the game ends up being because that also like i was expecting i was expecting it to also subvert something and relate something related to like the actual standard jrpg quest structure based on how much people talk about the the way that this game is subversive but it mostly ended up being again when you zoom all the way far out you're still just like you're a kid on a quest to save the world and it's just all the details of that that ended up being like shocking and confusing and mm-hmm. disorienting.
1: Yeah. The quest is, as far as quests go, uh, you know, you just save the world. Yeah. As is and expected takes, of you. it
2: takes a dark turn at the end.
1: Yeah. You're a kid. You're the chosen one. You pick up a group of people along the way. Like, it's a whole
2: thing that's been done a million times. Col- you kill God. Collect, and you kill God. Yeah, collect, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. collect treasures to gain enough power to kill God. <laughs> right. rinse and repeat
1: (laughs) but yeah the game is about that moment to moment that's all it wants to be about right yeah oh Oh, one thing I guess on that uh, that we were discussing a little bit earlier uh, when everyone's like talking shit to you the thing that it made me realize is that everyone in the game respects all of your other party members incrementally more than this like everyone hates Ness at the beginning of the game and then like everyone talks about how great Paula is when he gets to Tucson and and like in winters everyone is like best friends with Jeff and <laughs> <laughs> And then like Pooh's a he's a prince. Yeah. Like so he everyone already respects and, and looks have, up to and him. And all
2: the girls in the town talk about how how poo. great Pooh is. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: then you get to the end of the game, and Gigas is just all about Ness, so, you know, it comes full circle. Yeah, she, Ness
1: finally gets his respect <laughs> from the, like, uh, bodiless, amorphous,
2: yeah, gross spirit of the demon fetus. Tessellated demon fetus. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean, there's the ending, but uh, as I described before, everything's just too fucking weird for me to, like, dial in and dissect particular parts or moments. Actually, I did find it...
1: This is a game that I found a bit of difficulty trying to, like, take notes on, because it was so much about trying to uh, absorb what the game was trying to, to to give to me. Yeah. Like, I've spent so long with this game now, and in such, like, long chunks as well. Like, I played this game for, like, between six and eight hours at a time. Uh, that's got to that's gotta leave some impressions in right? your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it made the ending really impactful, for what it's worth. Uh, but yeah, so we talked about the tone of the game a little bit.
0: There's a little bit about the mechanics also. Right. That's something I kind of want to get back to, I okay. think. Unless you had... Uh, no, that is also to I was actually going to run straight toward whatever decision procedure had to go through for them to choose at the background to the combat screen would be like a pulsing, crazy thing with synth music synced to it. I love that, though. And
1: actually, uh, to just not do what we said we were going to do... <laughs> uh, sort of. The the synth music... like The music generally in this game uh, I think is pretty good, but there, there are parts of it that I think are outstanding, that really kind of, like, set it apart. And it kind of... Because the tone of Onet is so, like, upbeat and cheery, like you said, like a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm -hmm. But then the first dungeon, which is just a cave, uh, will do this thing that persists through the whole game, and I think actually starts in the meteor sequence, but in the meteor sequence, everything feels a little bit, like, askew. uh, Where it'll be playing the music in the dungeon, but then it will just, like, hard cut, and it would just be the sounds of, like, somebody attempting to tune a radio. It's just that, like, high-pitched squealing with no tone or, or like, melody to it. It's just, like, uh, abhorrent noise. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of thing is what what makes you, what makes the game and the music in the game feel so fitting because it makes you so uneasy and a lot of the songs are really discordant and they don't necessarily follow a good like a, a catchy melody they kind of drop tones and make things kind of sound out of tune and it's really weird Dissonance. yeah and it's really good for that yeah
2: i think the, the music follows a similar progression to the tone like it slowly gets more and more weird mm-hmm. as you go through the only really early hints at the kind of darker tones that the
0: game will eventually hit are musical cues. Right. Everything else is sort of consistent in its Saturday morning cartoon, jokey self-awareness, mm-hmm. except for the music that consistently, like you said, in sequences like the cave, kept creeping me out at one point or another. Yeah, like
2: day. yeah, like the my sanctuary areas, like the boss fight music there, and the cave music, and then the music afterwards when you actually collect the melody. That all has like a you feel like you've you've stumbled onto something like bigger. Like when you get to those parts, like you're uncovering like something secret. Right.
1: Yeah. The year sanctuary areas are just oh man. All the dungeon I think dungeons in this game I think are actually really good. Uh, but Yeah, there's no segue for this. So what you were <laughs> saying before. Uh, <laughs> uh before I, I pretty rudely interrupted. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Hey, you you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> With the uh, the the backgrounds. Uh, I don't know if you like, that just struck you as really weird. Obviously I haven't played a lot of JRPGs, but I assume that most of them don't
0: have like kaleidoscopes no. going on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> most of them don't have kaleidoscopes. It's uh, So many of the decisions are weird, particularly in context and the sort of things that it was comparing itself to.
1: Yeah. The, uh... What's what's really strange about them to me is that the combat in this game is described as as being in first person. You're supposed to be looking at the monsters from, like, Ness's eye level. Mm -hmm. But, like, why then did they make the background like a psychedelic uh, (laughs) tie-dye wave machine? Because they
0: had the problem, if they were doing it in first person, of having to consistently animate different backgrounds, so they were just like... Nah, let's just make it like the stars. So they did. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, they could do what other JRPGs did at the time, which was have like a default grass or like dirt background. Mm-hmm. This is so much better than that in every way.
2: Yeah, I think they wanted they had to have just wanted to do something different right. and then through some force of <laughs> creativity or whatever, they came up with that. Like, I don't know if there's really, like, a something that you can trace to be like, oh, this is the reason why. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing that they were trying to accent with this decision. Like, I don't, most, you can't with almost all video games. Yeah, and I don't think it's just, like, a ha-ha, trippy, acid dream, they were so high when they made this kind of thing. <laughs> I, I think that's, like, always, like, the... Line of thought people tend to go when things are weird. Yeah, it's the yeah, easiest. the yeah. easier explanation. Yeah, like like someone else. like reads Alice in Wonderland, and they're like, "How oh, high was Lewis Carroll when he wrote this?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, and and
1: the, the weirdness in other <laughs> aspects of this game are so intentional in a way that that it just like it doesn't.
0: <laughs> Why is your impression of like people who don't like Lewis Carroll like fat bureaucrats from oh, England? I don't
2: know, I just did a voice. JJ, I didn't think about it. <laughs> it was, yeah. I was just really high. That's yeah. just what I came up with. <laughs> What's good,
1: though, about the background, uh, the, there's one that really stands out to me, mm-hmm. is in the, in the gold mine, how all of the moles claim to be the third strongest mole and they put (laughs) number three behind Behind them them. (laughs) so they're all numbered by the background but it's always the same number like not, not only is that like a weird choice, and like <laughs> emphasizes how strange the characters in this game behave. Yeah, that was very funny. But yeah, it was outwardly like I laughed at that <laughs> with my with my face. <laughs> <laughs> like that was that was actually just really good.
0: Uh, <laughs> what was the decision procedure for this game? Who
2: said yes to
0: this stuff? Oh,
2: it's, what's the uh, guy's uh, Itoy. name? Itoi. Itoi. Yeah. yeah, he wrote all the dialogue mm-hmm. so like, it's very much like his artistic vision yeah
1: this game is very much his brainchild he, like if you watch the credits which you should because it's like the best credit sequence in like a game ever uh, <laughs> he's the, like the director writer and producer of this game and okay. in fact does some like voice work but it's a SNES game, so it's all bit crunched and weird. Yes. Uh, but that's all, like, he, he did some stuff. Also, Shigeru Miyamoto played guitar in this game. <laughs> like, he did guitar sampling and was credited as some not his name. <laughs> 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 weird, I
0: wonder why he wanted to hide that. Yeah, he seems like a humble guy.
1: Uh, I don't think it was his decision. Oh, <laughs> I no, mean, okay. because the band go. names are all, like, made up. Name. so <laughs> just he just
0: happened to be one of them. <laughs> yes, It's no. the second time I've heard about Shigeru Miyamoto playing guitar recently. <laughs> he played with the Roots. I know,
2: I saw. Oh yeah, yeah I saw that, yeah. <laughs> Which is the best thing He's ever.
0: fucking sick, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm assuming then that the guy, this guy's producer role is where he was able to sort of direct things and be like, what if you... Like just put a
2: kaleidoscope in over (laughs) there. Yeah, so it's like I had this idea. I really want the backgrounds to be like kaleidoscopes. What gives?
1: I can't imagine any other way to view Earthbound's like battle sequences. Yeah. Like the just having a grass background or like a cave wall would feel so disingenuous to the tone of the game. Yeah,
2: it would have so much less personality.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, God, you probably... Over the course of, like, the 30 hours it takes to complete this game, you probably are in, like, hundreds of battle encounters. Right. Mm -hmm. And at no point did I, like, go, like, this is getting annoying. Like, they made it well enough that it was a thing that I really appreciated and think is... Is actually like a visual strength and again. Yeah.
2: yeah, there were enough, there was enough variety in them that mm-hmm. they never like got old, and they were never like ugly enough to be an eyesore.
1: Right.
2: it's just impressive in
0: this older age when all of these games still had these like very intense marketing concerns, and you couldn't have the sort of like flexibility of the indie space that we have now. That someone was able to really mold pretty much almost every part
2: of the game.
0: Yeah, well, a specific
2: I, weird vision he was like a celebrity so like, I think he was at yeah. Time?
1: Yeah, he like walked when he pitched Mother he like walked into the offices of Nintendo like he was invited there for some reason or another <laughs> and he somehow got the ear of Shigeru Miyamoto and was like I have this idea for a game here it is and he was like no
2: yeah. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Miyamoto just said no to him. Yeah. And apparently he cried. Aww. But um, oh, uh, what was it? I don't want to uh, no, hear about he that. No. Apparently he had played like Dragon Quest or something, and was like, "I think I could do this better," and just decided he wanted to like make an RPG. And this was his. And this, and was, this was, the was better decided. that he had in mind. Okay. Yeah. And, and so uh, well, Mother
1: One was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, he, apparently he, like, voiced the dad in My Neighbor Totoro or something. Like, he did work for Studio Ghibli.
1: Yeah, he, he just was, like, a general, like, celebrity in, in Japan.
0: He was just an, an, an influence man. Yeah, yeah,
2: kind of. And I, apparently, like, the series sold well in Japan based, like, just on his name.
1: Okay. Well, and because it couldn't sell well in America because the marketing was bad and this game is not what would appeal to most, like, demographically speaking, children at the time who owned a Super Nintendo. Like, 1995 was, like, games were still targeted mostly at pretty young people, and games that were targeted at older people tended to be relegated to the arcades. Uh, And so this game feels so out of place in that time. Like, it doesn't look like it should fit on the shelf next to, like, a Donkey Kong Country and a Super
2: Mario game. I don't want to, like, give the game too much credit for being, like, a masterwork of genius or anything when I said it was ahead of its time. But, like, I do think... It seems like an idea that plays better now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, quite quite to the contrary of it being, like, a a masterwork of genius. It was ahead of its time to its own detriment. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, nobody knew that it was anything that they would want to play. And I feel like it's only with this wider acceptance of games yeah. that we get people who can actually appreciate this.
2: I, I don't think Nintendo would ever do it because of, like, the series' history. But, like, I feel like if they rebooted the series or just made, like, Mother 4, it would be, like, really successful now.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, uh, this game, Earthbound, was for the longest time, like, since its release... Uh, I feel like it isn't now, which is I'm not 100% on the stat right, at, like, at the current time, mm-hmm. but uh, when it released, and for a while after that, it was the number one selling virtual console game.
2: Yeah, it's like, just over the years, like, the reputation it's built up, and because people were like, who's this character in Smash Brothers?" <laughs> Who is Like, this? enough people have, like, been curious about it that I think it's well-known enough now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Who's this character in Smash Brothers gave me my favorite series. So, right, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> 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 but that wasn't even until Melee.
1: Ness has been in fucking Smash Brothers. Well, I guess the Earthbound was developed by Hal, yes. so it makes some sense yeah. that Ness was in uh, in the original Smash Brothers. But yeah, he he sort of started uh, like a demand for the game that just wasn't there before.
2: I meant to look this up, but, mm. like, do you have any idea, like, why it, the moves in Smash Brothers are called, like, PK Fire? Instead of Psi. Like, in a PSI or Psi, whatever you I say it.
1: I think that I didn't look this up either. Because so I've always have always This whole thing that. could be cut. But I, I am fairly certain that it's called uh, PK either in just mother games generally or only in the Japan version of this mm. one because uh, PK in the context of Smash Brothers at least stands for psychokinetic uh, and Psy is like an abbreviation for psionic or something yes or that makes psychic sense or psychic, some yeah. Psy thing yeah. <laughs> something some to do psy-pies. with the brain uh, but uh, we can earnestly talk about mechanics and then probably move on to the ending after like a you want to be that sounds good, and
2: we'll look that up in the inside. Uh, welcome back, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Welcome back. So, um, the last thing that we were talking about before we left was, um Well, specifically, we were talking about the Psy powers in this game. And that was uh, uh, evidently, like, from a story perspective, like, you're just supposed to kind of know that Ness was born with psychic powers. uh, (laughs) And they don't actually explain that to you until, like, the last two hours of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, yeah, it's an interesting decision. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Just go but uh, on, yeah, but, yeah, we did look it up by the way, and PK was the just the Japanese name for it. and They changed it to PSI in in,
0: in the U.S. Dude, psychokinetic's a much better like phrase, anyway.
1: It sounds cooler. It Psychokinetic does. fire is just like a like a badass phrase, <laughs> <laughs> badass video game phrase. But uh, the way that the, that the combat in this game sort of like plays out, right? You have a pretty typical JRPG party, I guess. Because you have your fighter in NES, uh, like, your mage character and Paula, the, like, tech guy with Jeff, which is, I didn't know was a JRPG staple Oh, at all, and then, like, this game made me realize, like, oh, like, every single JRPG game I've ever played has this character in it, because, <laughs> like, Luca in, mm-hmm. in Chrono Trigger and, uh, what, Riku...
0: The, all yeah. the Sids in every Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know who Sid is. I'm,
2: in Kingdom Hearts, he's Sid the Highwind. Wy- in Kingdom <laughs> Hearts, he's the blonde one in the accessory shop with the toothpick in his mouth. Uh, okay,
0: all right. Is it every? They're not always a blonde guy with a toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> but there's always a guy named Sid Highwind who's a mechanic in all the games. Like mm. in Fifteen, he's a fucking old crotchety
2: dude who owns. And like, Cindy a... is his granddaughter. Yeah. Oh. His, yeah, granddaughter. What is it? Like a car repair shop? Is there like yeah, a... Yeah, it's like a garage. Garage! That was the... They That's what called the them call. garages, And he, he yeah. was like one of uh, Noctus's dad's, like, Kingsguard or whatever they're called. Right. But anyway. There's always Sids. He's always a Always guys. a Sid. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah.
1: a yeah. um, So here is my question for you guys who are more experienced in JRPGs than I am. Yes. Uh, what is What role does Pooh fill?
2: Well, I kind of perceived him as, like, the fighter guy. Because, like, Ness seems like a jack-of-all-trades, and he's, like, the healer. That's Yeah. Ness is sort of just your best healer, but Pooh also heals. He does. He's got a little bit of everything, but if you, like, outfit him with all of his equipment... Yeah. Yeah. Which I did this time. He's, like, the... Uh, like the DPS character.
0: Right, yeah. The protagonist is always kind of implicitly best at everything, or at least can be the best at anything, yeah. like most RPGs are. This have. kind of was, like, you
1: were pretty evenly, like, stacked up. but In my game, at least, Paula outdamaged every character I had by, like, 1 billion percent <laughs> for, like, the majority of the game. Yeah, I but like... then they just, at the end of the game, are like, Ness is like a super powered god with an 800 health points. I'm like, "Oh my god. He can't die."
0: <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mm. yep. Yeah, I was There's another JRPG stereotype of not really like the monk guy, but just sort of like the brawler guy, like like the fist, I know how to do a takedown on you <laughs> person. Yeah, the kung fu fighter. Yeah, yeah, like the like the drunken monk kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're not always like you know, serious. They're not always like actually
2: literally no karate. Like the Mr. Miyagi kind of character. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like he, very unassuming, but then he can totally kick ass. Right, like, yeah. The uh <laughs> I don't this might be like
0: it's just sort of a stretch potentially, but on Chrono Trigger the uh the blonde girl, Was it Marlene or something? The, no, uh no, no no, I think no, Marl's a magic
1: user, it's uh you're thinking of the From the
0: from the history. Yeah. 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 She oh. is like also
1: this stereotype. Yeah, oh, Ayla, okay. Ayla
0: was that her yeah, name? Yeah, that's
1: it, Ayla. Um, okay. This, and also, the Mr. Miyagi comparison, I think, is really good, because also Pooh is a little bit, like Mr. Miyagi, pretty racially insensitive.
2: <laughs> yeah. The
1: whole, like, city of Delam is kind of, uh, uncomfortable <laughs> in 2017. A little bit. Yeah. I got a pass because of what they were going for, yeah. but it's like a, it's a, it's a, you're an old game pass, not like a, mm-hmm. this is okay. <laughs> Agreed, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, his name is just Pooh.
2: like, yeah? I, you said earlier, like, this game has a general juvenile sense of humor, yeah. That's it, what sprung to mind. <laughs> and one of the main characters is named Pooh, right?
1: Where well, in my game, it was because Ness, Paula, Jeff, and Pooh, and in my game, it was Chad, Andy, JJ, and <laughs> Pooh. <laughs> Well which one was I? You were Paula. I was Paula. Okay.
2: I'll take I'll I take was it.
1: Jeff? You're Jeff. Damn. Congratulations. Uh <laughs> I wanted to be Paula. Yeah, everybody wants to be Paula. I was. fuck it, I was Paula. Not really. <laughs> uh But yeah, so as you go through like when you assuming like an actual fight, no. not like something that you're either going to just blaze through without any challenge or get fucking stomped all over, which occasionally happens in this game. Yeah. Uh, particularly by the end of the game when you have all four. I th- I actually thought the combat was moderately interesting. Like, it was something that made me actually feel like I was making choices.
0: I, I agree, but I often have that feeling in a lot of late-stage RPGs. I, I mean... I felt that way by the time I was able to create, like, concrete builds with a party in Final Fantasy 1. It was part of the appeal of the genre to me. Is there something that you felt like it did, like, different? Or is it just because you didn't have a lot of experience comparatively with these sort of things?
1: Well, it's mostly that I didn't have a lot of comparative experience, but also the fact that at the beginning of this podcast we kind of wrote the combat system off as not interesting, with the exception of auto-win, auto-fight, and... Uh, right. The rolling health meter. Right. And the rolling health meter really is, like, the innovation in this game. Because the game just... And it's not even, like... It's not rocket science. It is not, like, a (laughs) miraculous discovery. It is just pretty cool. Like, it's more forgiving than having a character die. Because having a character die in this game sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Real bad. I
2: think what stands out about it, at least to me, is that, like... Damage scaling in this game, like, like everything, can easily kill you mm-hmm. at pretty much any stage. Like in a lot of JRPGs, you can usually like grind up enough in between like story points and basically be okay through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But like this game, it, like enemies were always threatening because they just did tons of damage. Yeah. yeah, and healing wasn't super reliable for most of the game. It's strange. Normally, with these sort
0: of games, they design that sort of, like, life and death curve not around particular encounters but around, like, entire missions. Like, they try and the game normally these RPG systems have some kind of way to control the amount of resources that you have that you can spend, whether it be on combat or keeping yourself alive or stuff like that, and then trying to create a situation that drains you of those resources gradually, which is why when you're playing like a, a more normal JRPG, you're having things that aren't really threatening to you that hit you for like a tenth of your health, but the idea is that you're going through a dungeon and that stacks up to a point where it'll be threatening, and then you can make the big guy look much more imposing because you have a whole lot of room where the enemy can become tougher without being able to just like murder you instantaneously, because it's drained your resources before you get there. Yeah, and it's compared to the weaker enemies from before. The right. idea being like, if the whole dungeon was was filled with enemies that dealt a third of your health instead of a tenth of it, then that means you only have you have less room to make the boss enemies stronger without it being overwhelming. Like if you could if you could only have something like two hit kills you in a turn based combat system. Like if you go much farther beyond that, it's not really fun to interact with anymore. But the guy seems stronger if everything else you face only did a tenth. Right, and that's this. This is something that also I don't know which system invented it first, but this is something that's also wrapped up in a lot of modern like D and D design and structure and things like that. Um, so it's very strange that this game sort of foregoed that and seemed. To make the assumption that the resources are really plentiful, but each individual combat encounter is tough. The
1: yeah the the re- resource management in this game is, albeit not have don't have a ton of experience in this area, mm-hmm. is very different than resource management in other RPGs that I've played. Yeah, because the item limit in terms of your inventory space, it probably like for me as I just discussed Paula was more or less my DPS character, and even Ness dealt significantly more physical damage because I never spent the time leveling Poo to, like, a reasonable point. Uh, like, Poo... Having Poo in my party... Uh, what this guy, yeah, that sounds so stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah, now that I'm speaking out loud, his name <laughs> makes it, like, way worse. Uh, <laughs> having Poo in my party was mostly a a boon, just because he could carry more shit for me. (laughs) Because this game has no scarcity in terms of money. You have, like, two instances in the game, maybe three if you decide to splurge when you're in summers, where you will be concerned about your amount of money. Yeah. Otherwise, you just have, like, way more money than you could even imagine using. (laughs) And that, like, inherently was hilarious to me, to, like, the idea of of in this game, just being like, I'm gonna withdraw 20 grand from an ATM. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking so walking around money to have. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's
0: that you have tons of money, even early game, the enemies drop tons and tons of, like, health restorative items, which is part of what breaks that loop that I was talking about earlier, because they just give you more resources as you go pretty consistently. Yeah, I've... Uh,
1: b- it, it makes you uh, seem so much harsher because of the wording, but I have abandoned a lot of cookies in my time. <laughs> <bad>. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I thought that wording was really funny as yeah. well. Like you abandoned to the thing that you're <laughs> yeah, you're leaving behind. Yeah. So you kind of like you're not
1: going to be terribly short on resources as long as you spend time to uh, actually go restock, and that is of course where this became difficult. <laughs> uh, because I did not want to spend the time going to the stores and, and buying things. Oh,
2: yeah. It was annoying to have to, like, call up the guy to come take your items away. Like, to, to put that's them in the storage. Express? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That's another... That's part of the reason why I never wanted to go restock, because I didn't want to have to put things back in storage and mm-hmm. bring them back. Um, but, yeah, that... And so, that... Like, flow that we were discussing, where you go in and the individual enemy encounters are pretty difficult, but then the boss encounters, they sort of, you know, having the regular encounters being difficult. I think the bosses sort of suffered for that in terms of difficulty, because I think the only your sanctuary boss that gave me, like, really the only, like, boss, main boss in the game, uh, The cutoff point for me was Diamond Dog. The Carbon Dog, Diamond Dog, and then everything from that point on was ball-bustingly hard in comparison to everything before.
2: Yep, that whole last dungeon that ended with Diamond Dog and whatever dog. uh, It's Carbon Dog and Diamond Dog. Carbon Dog. Yeah, because he, like,
1: I don't know, you put pressure on him and (laughs) he (laughs) becomes a diamond. diamond.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that whole dungeon was super hard.
1: Yeah, that was a... It was a pretty rough time. Yeah, it
2: had, like, the classic JRPG difficulty spike at the end, (laughs) which didn't really sit right with me in this game. Yeah, we sort of, we've, another trope that we've kind of grown past as time's gone
0: on we found better ways to solve those problems while still making the last thing that you do feel significant. Mm-hmm. To it's do. like, oh,
2: well, now I have to stop everything and level up, like, five levels. <laughs> See, I... Uh, or just try to brute force my way through it. <laughs>
1: I I did a lot of grinding uh, to get the Sword of Kings uh-huh. this time, because it's, it's one of those things that's kind of, like, infamous about this game. They're, like, the ultimate weapons for each character and are one, 1 in 128 chance drops from different enemies Uh, and I mean they're pretty unnecessary the only one that I got is is probably the easiest one to actually grind for uh, was Pooh's sword and uh, that it was like probably 40 minutes it took me to get Uh, and my ex-roommate I talked to about this and he said that it took him about two hours to get it so I guess I got kind of lucky uh, uh. But because of that, I went up about, like, 10 to 12 levels just in that one area. Mm-hmm. So I actually didn't... I felt the difficulty was actually pretty on... It was on a good curve for me. I just Is found it... that Diamond Dog took longer to, to, right. to beat.
2: Yeah, it's... I thought the game had a pretty pretty good difficulty curve up until, like, the ending.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's really hard... In the first dungeon, because they expect you to die. Right. Uh, And just do that until you grind up enough to actually be able to go through it. The woods, before you get to Happy Happy Village, Mm -hmm. are difficult. Just, they are just, it is just difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) and And then it's pretty smooth sailing. Uh, for a lot of the rest of the game. I don't know if it's the same experience that you guys had
0: until the very end. I forgot to mention this, I think, when discussing about things that this game, uh, evolutions that this game had relative to its peers. When you die, you keep your experience, right? Mm -hmm. It it stays with you. And that was not true of most RPGs at the time, which treated death like a straight fail state and just reverted you back to a prior point in time. This game sort of keeps it consistent somehow, because this game doesn't really care about consistency in ways like yeah.
2: that. Yeah.
1: Well, you really got your head handed to you, so... <laughs> <laughs> so you have to retry. Uh, yeah, I'm not, this game does not care about consistency. But that was... That ended up being a crutch during the the parts where you only have Ness is that you just bank all of your cash and just throw yourself into whatever the highest level yep. enemies are. Until you can... Until you can just kill them. Yep. And that always ended up sort of working. And I I, I felt like... Because I was really frustrated at the beginning because of that. Yeah. But then later, it kind of... That stopped being a thing you had to do when you had multiple party members. Then the only thing that was frustrating was having to revive Paula. Yeah. Because Paula can't ever take hits.
2: Yeah, that, just, that plays into like the pacing issues and mm-hmm. everything. They removed the annoyance of death by making death
0: not a strict waste of time. Instead, they just made it like an extension of time, if that makes any sense. Okay. like I mean, if you're going to... Because when
1: you, it, you... You have to penalize the player. Traditionally, death is penalized with a, a setback in terms of progress. And... That lengthening of the amount of time before you can push forward is just how this game chose to do it, mm-hmm. instead of making it like a complete reset.
0: Yep.
2: Which is mm-hmm.
0: nice, I think. I
1: agree. In, in comparison.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, we already have the good solution for modern day examples of this, which is why make you walk back the full distance in the first place? You can. The choices tend to be on a game-by-game game basis now, and people are getting more creative with what you do with death, which is, which is nice. That's true. Should <laughs>
1: uh, so we keep getting sidetracked by these other things that I think the combat itself, while important to the way that this game plays, we keep coming back to things that sort of are tonal, and because that, that is like so firmly what this game wants to, to, to be. The thing with the, the the combat system that I think was actually... Because I said it felt like it was actually making decisions. Uh, how did you go about, like, an actual difficult regular enemy encounter? Because I felt like I had, like, an algorithm that I went through every time. And <laughs> I don't know that that should have been or is the case with other people.
2: Uh, it, it depended on how much, like... Um how much Psy power I had with all my characters. Because, like, it was a difficult encounter. I would probably throw shields up with Paula and Pooh. And then I would use, like, uh, Ness's, like, strongest Psy and whatever. Right. And if I had, like, a bomb or something to throw at Jeff, I would throw that. And then after that, I would just, like, hit everything with the most powerful (laughs) attacks. Okay, so this is... Already,
0: like a completely different way of going about the game than I did. Yeah, I need. I want to hear your perspective here because mine, I think, was pretty uninteresting. I did. I hadn't had enough death loops in my playthrough and was so worrisome about spending PP, especially with the presence of things that can steal it from you. Right. That uh, I was super conservative and spent most of my time on like auto attack situations if I could afford it. So, what was yours?
1: Well, mine was kind of like that. Uh, Cerements. <laughs> C-
0: <laughs> C- the uh, the my like. Ra- round
1: one of like every fight was just physical attacks, except have Jeff spy, and I mm-hmm. used Jeff spy on every enemy in this game over the course of a whole playthrough, um, so that I would just know every enemy's like sci weakness if they had it, because the attack, the offense and defense numbers don't really mean a whole lot to you unless you're really paying attention, because they mi- like they mirror it's using the same like stat boost as your own, but like. I don't check the status screen. That's for chumps. Yeah,
0: I mean, this isn't this isn't even, like, part of your history of I don't care about statistics. <laughs> this is just, like, a feature of JRPGs. That's, that stat screen is not there to help you make informed decisions on, like, a micro scale. It's there f- so that the game has a way to tell you that you're being rewarded and for you to make sort of general decisions. Like, you know, with this guy's kind of normally the defensive tanky one, and you don't... They don't worry about trying to bog you down in fucking actual math. Right. They, they're just like, this is a high number, and this is a low number, <laughs> and that's what you care about. So it makes perfect sense, and it's whatever they expect you to do. They expect you to just almost never look at that stat that's screen. That's the stat screen. Yeah. Well,
1: that's good. Uh, because I didn't. <laughs> but a lot of the time... I would, I would definitely default to, to physical attacks for the most part. I
2: mean, it depending on what it was. Yeah. Like, if it was something that, like, I felt it could easily kill me, I would just use some so, side yeah. powers.
1: Well, Paula almost exclusively used side powers throughout my entire playthrough because she has a, 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 lot, a lot of PP <laughs> a yes. lot of the time. So you can uh, sort of just do that with her, which is nice. I also found that, like, almost everything was weak to Psy Freeze.
2: Yeah, I've, I found myself using that almost exclusively.
1: Yeah, Psy Freeze is just super good, for whatever reason. Uh, they didn't bother making
2: the other ones any good at all. Well, fire could hit a whole line of enemies. So. Yeah, which was nice. But uh, Thunder... Thunder was boom. Just garbage. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it, it only had, like, a certain percentage chance of hitting. Yeah. Because, you know, it's lightning. <laughs> Yeah, that was real strange. <laughs> high risk, high reward. It wasn't even that high of a reward from our no, r- no. memory of it. Like, I think it, it did more damage than the
1: other two spells. Like, base damage yeah. or whatever. So you have to be fighting that didn't like resist it or whatever. Yeah. Or was it just weak to ice? Like, everything was. <laughs> With a chance to fucking solidify. Which is another... Like, it's a tonal thing, obviously, because they all do things that other JRPG status conditions do, mm-hmm. but the fact that the status conditions in this game are, like, could not stop crying oh, is yeah. feeling a little strange and, like, having a cold. Alright, That's just, I mean, it's yeah. flavorful, but it's really, it really kind of is good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, dude, fuck Diamond Eyes. I never got Diamond Eyes. Really? At all. That me me seems neither. impossible. I also avoided it completely. Uh. Well, Diamond Dog... Has like a percent chance, and it's a high percent chance yeah. to diamondize you when he bites you. And I got bit three times, and did never trigger. And like, I was like, "This is uh, amazing." I don't. I think
2: it was Gigas too. Has like a chance to diamondize you as well.
1: Yeah, when you can't
2: uh, grasp his attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it happened to me a handful of times. He also that fight. Do we want to move to the ending
0: now? Is that a thing
1: that we want to do? I,
0: it's a thing. I think we're ready. I think we've gathered <laughs> enough courage
2: and strength to... Yeah. We're filled with determination.
0: Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the... game. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about... Earthbound. The, let's talk about Earthbound. It was released in 1995. <laughs> uh <laughs> no, you've, you've metacasted. Why? Uh, so let's talk about how, uh, up until this point in the game, things have been weird and a little bit dark, and then a guy with a drill sound playing <laughs> cuts your skull open and puts your brain in a robot. Yeah, I'm
0: glad. I'm glad you picked this moment, because <laughs> I was worried that we were going to talk about the ending and skip this. This is oh, definitely no. the true beginning of the darkness. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's the whole scene with Pooh like relinquishing his arms and legs, oh, dude, which is a little
2: bit that's, up. that's one of my favorite moments.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. It's super good. <laughs> Uh, but it does, like, there, like, because there are lots of things. Like, the fact that you're fighting cultists at all, it, people outright talk about, like, dying and killing you and all sorts of terrible things. Uh, one of the yeah. first
2: bosses in the game is just a dude with a Switchblade. Like, yeah. that's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it but moment, it really, like, it's But under- this It's undertones the whole way until the ending.
1: Yeah, and it becomes so... It's just really, like, kind of vile in comparison to everything else. And it was, uh... It affects you more so because of the juxtaposition Yeah, just before.
2: And it works so well because it also has, like, been subtly building up to it. So it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere. Right. But yeah, that scene starts
1: a whole... Like, I probably could have done without the, like... Hokey robot sprites?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, and just for like anybody listening who may not have played this game, and I don't know why they would have listened this far, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the ending has, like, you learn that you need to go back in time to fight Gygus, Right. And the scientist who is Jeff's father, Dr. Andonuts... <laughs> Uh, <laughs>
1: Which is, like, that. even there, you don't want to have,
2: like, neurosurgery <laughs> performed by a guy whose name is don't. And Donut. <laughs> yes. But anyway, he invents, like, what, the phase distorter? Yeah, the phase distorter. It's phase distorter, too. Yes. Because
1: the first one was stolen by and, by Porky. Yeah, but okay. apparently
2: it can't transport your human body, so he takes your brains out and puts them in robots. Right.
1: That's Phase Disorder 3, which can travel through time. Yes.
2: Uh, so, just yeah. wanted to put that out there. And <laughs> then,
1: yeah, and it's like, and the whole thing is like, the thing is shaped like a Mystery Saturn, which yeah. is like a big nose, little squat thing with a bow in yeah, its hair. Cartoon spaceship. And it's so like, yeah, it is a fucking cartoon spaceship. And, and he's just like, we're going to need to cut your brains out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he follows it up with just this scene of each character on their back, and then it's just like... (laughs) (laughs) Implying that they just... And I don't know what happened, because... Okay. We're just... (laughs) I'm just going to I'm gonna riff on this, and we'll come back and talk about that whole area, because it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And we'll just even skip the final boss, and we'll come back to that as well. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the game, your souls leave the robots and fly back to your bodies. Mm-hmm. Brains of the robot. Where's your brain at, Ness? In a robot. Brains of the robot in the past. In the past. <laughs> like, what? what? Also... <laughs> Fuck it! It's really weird and it's gross and I I don't I don't know.
0: Oh yeah, it's like physically uncomfortable. Yeah, they accent it so strongly. Mm-hmm. Oh god. Yeah. How did that? Oh.
1: <laughs> and then you pop into the spaceship. You go back in time, and if you're me, you then call your dad. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> from <course>. the past. <laughs> to save the game, which is odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this next area. Uh, contains pretty much everything that I hate in, like, one stretch. (laughs)
2: Fall-bustingly difficult enemies? Yeah, all
1: these enemies who explode when you kill them. You want to save the PP because you know you're going into the final boss, and I only have so many brain food lunches (laughs) to eat when I get there. Uh, So I ended up (laughs) save-stating... This is something we need to talk about. Yeah. The Wii U version... Which we all played because we don't have like a couple hundred bucks laying around each (laughs) for a Super (laughs) Nintendo copy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You has save states, and I didn't use them a ton through the whole game. Uh, Mostly just like in place of saving, so I didn't have to go find a phone or whatever. Yeah, I
2: I pretty much used them in. In, in any game I've played on the Virtual Console, I've used save states instead of just saving. Right. Yeah. Uh, but in this
1: game, in th- at this point in the game,
2: I save stated like every time
1: that I beat an enemy, because if some bullshit happened, I would just load and try again. Yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, yep. because the last area was just incredibly difficult. Uh, Good visual design, uh, that area at least. Mm-hmm. It's. Okay, I think that the the middle part, like the the couple of legs of that area where you're just fighting, uh, star men and the exploding dudes and mm-hmm. all that garbage, is kind of weak comparatively. It's it's the part. It is the it is the hallway before the hospital <laughs> in uh, the Last of Us for me. Okay. It is a thing that I feel like is not necessary. They could have lopped it off yeah. and the game would have been fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because the area before that where you get your your brain sawed out is great because it's like that weird disconnected area that you can actually get to the other side of from uh the prehistoric valley if yep. you wanted to and it has that like weird dissonant like occasional horn sound <laughs> yeah and it's like the Mario paint horn as well because it's just like ba <laughs> Yeah, and then a long pause, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to that, the the other part, and it's a little bit, certainly not upbeat, but it's like it's more consistent, and it felt like kind of a grind.
2: Yeah, uh, it's just supposed to kind of look like a primordial wasteland, I guess. Yeah, but you know, it was.
0: Yeah, I'm a general fan of primordial wastelands. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and then you uh, get to the organ
2: bridge. Yeah, like the intestines. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did you conceptualize that as a bridge or as a cave? It's, I believe, a cave.
1: Like, the way that it, could you enter it through a cave?
0: Yeah. Vagina? Right. Mm-hmm. But it could be a bridge in a cave, so I didn't know. Yeah, right. I... Because
1: it, it's like blackness underneath of it. Yeah. You just, it's just a, a walkway. Yeah, I, I perceived
2: it as like a platform that I was walking on.
1: Right. But it's, like, pulsating and shit.
2: Yeah. Uh, the whole... <laughs> platforms can pulsate. Yeah, it's like walking in a bounce <laughs> castle. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> platforms, that abstract concept, it can pulsate once. That's fine. Uh, it, it, the whole, like, womb level of this, because mm. this probably is, like, the most explicit <laughs> version of that.
0: Is this the first womb level, just like probably historically not. speaking I, I
1: can I can only imagine that it isn't the first womb level, but it is
2: probably one of the most distinctive oh. uh, it's the woomiest level's so yeah. if if there's like a list of womb levels this is like number one number one on womb. Like all number lists. one womb <laughs> yes earth <Earthbound. laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. or mother number <laughs> one yeah. <womb. laughs> the number
0: one womb is mother.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, see, this is the thing. I heard... So this is my first... This is the first time I experienced this. Mm -hmm. Like, walking up to this and then seeing fucking Gigas. Uh, That is horrifying. And it is horrifying in 2017 on a Wii U the, like, the Lego play place of video game consoles. (laughs) Uh, I've heard for years, like people would be like, oh, there's like hidden symbolism in the Giga's fight. There's nothing <laughs> hidden about the symbolism. The game is called Mother. Yeah. You walk in basically like into a uh, like Giger esque <laughs> horror wasteland that is like clearly organic up to a thing that has like the image of a fetus in the negative space mm-hmm. that becomes more and more obvious as it goes through. Mm-hmm. I feel like there isn't
2: any uh, real subtlety. Here. I wouldn't be surprised if like the average person wouldn't even notice the fetus, though. Yeah, it's certainly subtle by comparison to... Everything else. Well, yeah. Th- everything. What, to
1: being shown an actual <laughs> fetus? Yeah. <laughs> like, if they just
2: put a <laughs> photograph <of> <laughs> it, <laughs> like That a, would be pretty terrifying.
1: Yeah, well, yeah I mean, it would be, like, super gross. But it already is gross. I'm, ta- yeah.
0: I'm talking again of its historical context. Like, in comparison to the kind of stuff that you would expect from
2: Final Fantasy VI. Like... You, like, that means nothing to me. So. <laughs> you wouldn't expect to, uh, to fight a fetus monster. You wouldn't expect right. to have
0: to look into the negative space of a horrifying yeah.
2: ghost image to see a fetus monster.
0: I think that's the thing, though. Uh, the
1: reason that they chose to well, first of all, I found this out. I didn't know this when I played it the first time. Yeah. Uh, that that is actually a sprite from Mother that's just been like put in a blender or something. <laughs> like it's it's a sprite that looked like a thing. But it's been like warped, warped and twisted uh, into that shape, and so. But the the fact that you don't know that, and that's not what you're looking for. Obviously, you see like the tormented face. That's like part of one of the. Like, oh yeah, that's the. the that's,
0: that was that's the great part about the progression of that fight is because it zoomed in so far initially that you all you see is the tormented face, and that's right. what you assume is the thing.
1: But then it starts to. Well, yeah. it starts to like. Put you like putting a magnet on a CRT, like going to all kinds of weird shit. But that's like way late. Uh, I feel like it's so abstracted that it's difficult to sort of focus on one part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a it's like a magic guy Some people see a <laughs> yeah. fetus, other people wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it it's
2: exactly
1: like that. So you fight this. Yeah. Mm. And they do... And Pokey's
0: around. (laughs) Yeah, this
2: is very
0: much a JRPG boss fight. We haven't even mentioned Pokey yet. Which is good, because I don't (laughs) think Pokey... I don't even really know why Pokey's around. Uh, He's there because they can't put the big bad
1: in the game to drive you forward because his, like, Giggs' reveal is sort of a big deal. Yeah. Probably the most
0: impactful thing in the game so pokey's a stand-in. Right, sorry, when I mean around, I meant let, like at the ending. Uh, Not only when people so, go through these progressions, the like fake final boss is like dead or gone before
2: you deal with the I actual think problem. It's so that you feel like you have a personal stake in the final battle. Cuz like Ness has never met guy, but he does have an antagonistic relationship with Pokey. Right. So going into that fight like it's more of like a character motivation.
1: I would definitely be willing to believe that... In terms of the game's, like, plot itself... He's there... Because he keeps retreating... Further... Like, as you progress through all of the, like, lines of defenses... That he's set up... Pokey's still trying to be the, like... Surrogate mastermind... Where he is sort of... Walking out whatever evil plans... They want to accomplish... Mm-hmm. And so... You've just cornered him, and that corner happens to also have, like, the disembodied <laughs> mad conscience consciousness of an alien uh, being with psi powers. <laughs> <laughs> in in it, uh, That's a it's a good corner. <laughs> it's a great corner. It's one of the one of the top ten corners. cornies. Yeah. Uh, so I, I imagine that's really the whole reason. I don't know why he has, like, a spider mech suit. <laughs> like, that's that was sort of out of nowhere. But also, at the same time, like, kind of expected in a way. Like, expected in as much as you can't expect anything normal once you walk into that cave. Yeah. Really, once your brain gets taken out. Like, at that point, you're like, bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> if I, if the bets were, will I leave my brain in my head for the whole of this <laughs> game? I probably would have said, yeah, I think that'll happen. <laughs> I already lost that bet. <laughs> so we're just going to roll with what this game throws at me at this point. But how did you think about the fight? The What did, what did you think? Not how did you think. <laughs> what did you think about the fight itself?
0: Uh, pretty normal within the first two stages. Uh, I managed to somehow keep myself pretty much entirely spoiler-free on Earthbound, except for the existence, but not the details of the womb level. Right. So I didn't know about the prey stuff going into it, and I'm glad that I discovered that organically, which is the bossest thing that could have happened. It was like attempt three at that, where I was just like... Pray.
1: (laughs) This is where the save states came in handy because I didn't know about the pray thing either, Mm -hmm. and died about four times. And if I had had to have gone all the way back, I would have been real upset. Yeah, I had that same experience. Yeah, so I save stated. I save stated in the third stage, and then I save stated again after I used my. Because I'm stupid, or I didn't know about this, so it's not really my fault. Don't blame me, please. Uh, Paula was holding all of my life horns, and so if she died, <laughs> I had one that I could use. And then if she died a second time, uh, good game. <laughs> I, there's nothing I could do. Yeah. So uh, I ended up having to save state after every success. Because he can use PK flesh and just, you can just die instantly. Mm,
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And that is really rough. Uh, But other than that, like, if they just didn't do that, that third stage would have been, like, perfect. Like, one of the best boss fights in video games at all. But they gave him the ability to instantly kill the only person who can do anything to him at random, and that just makes it kind of a downer.
0: Yeah. And I, like I said before, I don't like that Pokey is present at all during any of this madness. I would have, I would. He, he seems conflicting with the tone. I don't like that I'm in this like nondescript horror space, and then just fucking like fat spider annoying guy just sort of pops in to be like. <laughs> yeah, because of like the how the uh, oh yeah the vending
1: machine from uh, Bioshock shows yeah. up and it's like <laughs> uh, because of the way that, that uh, Gigas is rendered. And use the whole background this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he's been the background the whole time. That's why it's all fucked up. Oh, no. Nice. Uh, oh, it looks like somebody just pasted a picture of, of Pokey on the right side of the screen. Right. Like, it's like a fridge magnet that they yeah. stuck onto Gigas So just <laughs> yeah. like, that's... It. That funny.
2: it probably would have been better to have him as a boss before you entered the womb level. Yeah. That, yes, exactly
1: that. Just do the first stage outside the cave.
0: Mm -hmm. And then
1: do the second and third stages inside. And put like a telephone bird there or something. Yeah, make the eye stage be like the entrance. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been great. Because that would have prevented Pokey from saving really out of place and weird. It would have given you a chance to like heal up and, and restock before the second phase. Which can be like brutally hard if like any one thing goes wrong. Yep. And then you get the cool third phase
2: thing. And yeah, how about the fourth wall break? How, oh, how does that how does that land with you guys? I'm curious. Uh, that that Paula prays directly to you for health the player. Uh home run for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it worked really well. Uh
1: cuz I didn't know about it. Me neither. Uh I didn't I took, I was really surprised actually because of it, how intense that lead up is because you know you can die at any time. I was actually like going, got, like, because it's random chance. This is probably why they did it. Actually, now I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. because it's random chance. I'm literally thinking, please don't get that attack. Like, <laughs> please, <laughs> I, I am praying. Please God, not, <laughs> don't let it land on that PK flesh. <laughs> and then
2: it was like Chad's praying, and I was like they know. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought was clever. Like, they ask you to put in your name. Twice. Like, twice. And, like, I'm like, what kind of quirky shit are they going to do with this? Right. And then, like, it's still, like, totally blindsided me. Also, did
1: you guys put in your actual names? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that I did this time, considering my history. And, like, (laughs) was it, like... Farts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fall a parade to farts. And then, like dash dash R pray I'm like oh god why <laughs> like, Bart prayed as hard as he could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have been uh, unfortunate <laughs> if I had chosen to do that uh, <laughs> but yeah overall I thought it was super great, yeah, uh,
0: great. like the, the, I like also the like epilogue sequence after that where you just fucking go home yeah that's yeah. That's a really great tone down that a whole lot of stories generally would have just skipped over for good reason. But in this game, it sort of regrounds everything, and it, it starts to it make, helps to make you even more confused about like which parts of the journey are real or not, mm-hmm. and you know loops everything back yeah. around to the whole mother connection. It's but.
2: nice closure, yeah.
0: Uh,
1: that, that is actually like you can wander around. The, the whole world. world, yeah. As much as you want at that point, as well.
2: Yeah. And apparently, I, there's like a lot of like cool shit that you can find, but because cast game, I didn't want to take the time to do that. Oh yeah,
0: of course. And it, I'm highly skeptical anything you find is going to be better like, than
2: that ending sequence. Probably not. But like, right. I know, like, I've I've heard that like almost all the NPCs have like new dialogue.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is, which is, is cool. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's just there if that's a thing. Because, like, you could do the ending, put the game down, and just, like, leave, and then come back the next day and be like, alright, now that, like, I'm cooled down, yeah. <laughs> we, we can just go talk to all these people. I don't want to talk... Because that's, like, a lot of... That is a lot of, of stuff. To I know. That I'm probably not get, I wouldn't do that if it was a game that I was playing on my free time for fun. I wouldn't bother. Uh, and I, I think that whether or not this was a cast game, I feel like I I really did spend the time with it to enjoy it mm-hmm. um, more so than you guys seem to express that you felt like you were kind of rushed to to get through it.
0: Uh, I mean, I also have like the crushing realities of graduate school, <laughs> <laughs> so I, way down I, Yucasa, like,
2: I had extra time. I just have been trying to stay ahead on cast games so I can play other things in my free time. Yeah, still even even accounting for that sort of pressure keeping us
0: out of getting into that the flow state that the game seems to want you to get into it was still almost completely for me just an upward curve you know on my enjoyment graph
1: so I don't want to like belabor the ending point but ending's really good you get that nice uh like credit sequence where it shows all the characters and shit and it's like Super Mario World they like put give names to everything which is nice uh and then, super catchy song, and then they show you all the pictures that you took. But apparently, is divisive in the community if people hate that guy, because you can't, like, decline
2: it. <laughs> so, like, you'll just be watching like, I like it, I just don't like how long it takes. Yeah, it takes a while.
1: Also, every time that it happened, though, I, like, panicked for a second, because, like, I wasn't sure what was happening. And then, like, he would spin down, and then I would just... Crack up over it because, like, I it always it took me out. Yeah, I also
2: thought it was weird that, like, the other characters don't do anything; like, <laughs> just just Nets. just nest poses for the picture. <laughs> 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 Everyone else just stands <laughs> there. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> They're like we're sick of this guy
1: <laughs> breaking the fourth wall again. Also, can I just say uh, that I find it weird that a game, this is like the last thing that I'm going to say about Uh this, uh and it's real dumb, that uh, a game that was produced in Japan, barely made it to America at all, uh, is basically set in America, and also has enemies that are street signs that literally say Ohio on them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what a fucking banal street sign to come attack you. Also, no explanations to why, why inanimate objects attack you in this game anyway.
2: <laughs> of
1: course. <sighs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week.
2: What are we talking about next time?
1: Next time, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Overwatch. <laughs> it's
2: a little game you might have heard of. So.
1: Yeah, it's a little game that I've been playing consistently over the course of the past since last May.
0: So uh, That means we're going to have more opportunities for three to man. play Overwatch. Yes! Uh, <laughs> um,
1: until then, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so. All of our contact information is on NoClipPodcast.com uh, Check us out on Twitter, email, Twitch, YouTube. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys on the flippity flap. Dog. Nope.
2: not happening do it again
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: stop making this acceptable with song and dance I'm being overrun (laughs)